I'm Sylvia Burgos Tofnes, and this is Deep Roots Radio. Every week, my guests help us connect the dots between what we eat and how it's grown because every single food dollar we spend either protects or degrades the environment, produces foods with high nutrition or empty calories, and either helps pay a fair wage or keeps farm workers among the working poor. We get to make that choice every time we push a cart through the grocery store, visit the farmer's market, and eat at a restaurant. I hope you enjoy this interview. Um, but and I recall a time when uh, we were first farming. It was a frigid, frigid night. It must have been, I don't know, minus 20, minus 30. And I was worried about the availability of water sure. for the cattle. So I actually got dressed up kind of in the middle of the night, <laughs> got a mallet and a flashlight mm-hmm. and walked down to the creek because I thought I'm going to have to bust ice if the water isn't running. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks to God, the water was running and I didn't have to take those kinds of measures. But running water, the availability of water is so key. Yeah. Yeah. to all of us, no matter where you live, mm-hmm. whether or not you're in a city or if you're living in the country, uh, if you're growing carrots or, as you and I are, livestock, the water that we see, like a creek and a river and an ocean, is important. But so is that water beneath our feet yeah. that's invisible to us. Some uh, parts of the world, it's a matter of life and death. And it's becoming an issue of greater dispute in the United States Mm -hmm. as people fight over disappearing water Mm -hmm. and water rights. And interestingly enough, the jacket that I have hanging behind my seat right now is filled with the smell of a wood fire. Ah. Because it was only a few days ago that I was standing around a wood fire at the Franconia Sculpture Park. That isn't too far from here. It's got huge... Uh, landscape sculptures, um, that was a meeting point, and the fire was a gathering spot, the campfire, for numbers of farmers to come together to share stories about what water means to them and what their early experiences were about water. Mm -hmm. And we did this at the invitation of an artist and activist by the name of Anna Metcalf. Uh, she grew up in Virginia, but she now lives in Minneapolis. And, ha- and she is a woman who is the, the force behind a project called Upstream. And those conversations were instigated by her project. She's with us on the line this morning. Anna, how are you? I'm great. Thank, Thank you, you so, much, so much for being a part of our show today. Thank you so much for having me. Anna, it was so interesting to get that invitation from one of our, our friends, Jason Montgomery Reese, who happens to be a, a, a young f- farmer, farming family in our area, to be invited to this conversation around a, a campfire on a pretty frigid day. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me, what is Upstream? Exactly what is it that you're trying to do? That's a, that, well, it's a great question. I think the main goal of Upstream is to um, provide a space and time um, and I think a, a facilitation, you know, technique, I guess, um, to gather and to talk about 
water and water-related issues. Um, but I think um, it, it, it stems from, so my background is as a ceramic artist. <clears throat> and um, when I think about what the sort of the history of uh, ceramics, of clay, uh, and its connection to human beings, it, it goes all the way back to, you know, their um, archaeologists are uncovering objects that held food and water for humans uh, dating back to, you know, 20,000 years ago. Um, and so clay has facilitated conversation over dinner tables for many, many millennia. <laughs> and, um, and so I really like to think of um, gathering with tea um, and, uh, and other treats and implements, um, you know, eating implements, <laughs> Um, as a way that people can uh, connect with each other and spark conversation and even maybe um, understand each other and um, parts of their, um, you know, our shared world um, in a way that is casual and yet at the same time can kind of open up empathy. Um, so upstream is essentially um, a, a point of connection using tea and teacups um, and storytelling to talk about water. I like that notion of clay as being a vessel that held water and food and uh, was a spot around which conversations happen. You know, you share a cup of tea, you share a cup of coffee, and you talk, and you talk. And one of the interesting things that I found um, actually really quite fascinating and, and what an interesting strategy is that when you hold these conversations, it, it starts out with each of us getting a cup of tea in a very special cup. Can you tell us about those cups? Yeah, sure. In my past, I was a potter, um, kind of a functional potter for a really long time in my life. And so making a cup um, is something that I've always loved to do because it's one of the, it's an object that's so intimate. Um, you know, it, there's not very many other artists in the world who get to interact with their, um, with their, you know, the, their audiences um, in a way that is so connected, like bringing something to their mouth. You know, that's so intimate. Um, and so these cups are, they're simple. They're made out of porcelain. They're, um, you know, real kind of basic cylindrical cups. But on the cups um, are printed using this, technique that I use, um, it's actually screen printing. So I screen print on a piece of paper, and then I take that paper and, pr and kind of press it like a temporary tattoo onto the cup. Um, and so I, the, there's printed onto the cup some stories that um, were given to me by other participants in this project upstream. Um, I've been collecting stories and having conversations for about, well, it, it'll be almost two years, actually, um, coming up uh, at the beginning of next year. And so I've, I've collected quite a few stories from people. Um, and so those stories are actually in other people's handwriting um, and in their own words. Sometimes there's drawings. Um, and I press those stories into the cups and then share them with other participants in the project. Um, so those stories are actually kind of the beginning of the storytelling conversation. Um, we read the stories of strangers, um, and then uh, and then oftentimes the stories that are on the cups kind of prompt us to think about, um, 
you know, similar experiences that we might have had. And, um, and then from there, the conversation usually kind of wanders, but, um, yeah, the, the cups are the, they're, they're also taken from kind of a historic ceramic tradition, which is, um, blue and white porcelain. So Mm -hmm. I'm sure (laughs) everyone has seen, um, you know, the, I think willow ware is probably the most, um, uh, ubiquitous, you know, version of blue and white, but, um, but it has this really interesting tradition of storytelling and sharing between cultures. Um, and so I, I reference that, um, and it's a sort of global tradition. We have our conversations, um, and then uh, in order to kind of gather more stories for this project, um, I make a proposition to the people who are uh, having a conversation with me that they write down on this little template that I have um, a story of their own or a memory or even just a kind of a thought about water um, that then I can take and put onto a new cup and give to another person. Um, so in that way, I can share stories amongst strangers who might live together in a watershed but who don't know each other. Well, that's one of the things I found so fascinating about this strategy is that I go to this gathering, I meet up with uh, some of the younger farmers and uh, actually older farmers too in the area, mm-hmm. people that I've known for a long time but never knew their water connection, and yet all of us depend on it. And, and as you said, you sort of set up a barter. I shared my story, and I got a cup in exchange. And Dave Corbett, could you read kind of what's on the cup that I received? Well, uh, there's a picture of a canoe on the cup, and across the top of that it says uh, favorite family memories, and on the canoe it says Rice Creek. So, like you said, if people are invited to to kind of share kind of what the impact of some body of water or some experience of water was in their lives, and certainly in this little gathering around that campfire – on a pretty cold morning, um, I heard stories that I, that I don't think it would have been unearthed otherwise. But what other kinds of groupings have you kind of pulled together in the last couple of years? Oh, yeah, that's such a great question. So many different groupings. <laughs> so I've been really honored to be a studio fellow at Franconia Sculpture Park. Um, they were kind enough to help me facilitate this particular gathering and several others. Um, and um, and so there. Sometimes it's simply you know I'll set up a little station and kind of random people will come into my little trailer and we'll have a quiet cup of tea and a quick conversation, um, and then they'll be on their way. So it can be as simple as that. Um, and I actually, this is a really wonderful um, memory of mine from, um, I think it was back in August at Franconia. There was a music event, and I had the trailer set up, so I have this little trailer that's been converted into a kind of a tiny little tea room, um, and people can come and have tea with me. Um, and so I had the trailer set up, and a couple came, um, and they um, set all their things down. They were kind of wandering around, and... They said, can we just sit down and take a load off? And, of course, I invited them in, and we had tea together. And it turned out that they 
the the story that they told was of uh, the Shenandoah River, which is the river that I grew up on um, in Virginia. And so we um, had such a fun time connecting about this common water body uh, across the country that, um, you know, I haven't. Uh, I haven't been on the Shenandoah in many years, and so it was just so wonderful to have that little connection with them, you know, in Minnesota. <laughs> um, but I've also gathered groupings of people together um, through the University of Minnesota, for example. Um, there is um, there was a group of graduate students and fellows um, who gathered together to talk about water and their, the work that they're doing with water. Um, and I've also um, worked with an, a, a wonderful um, organization down in Lanesboro, Minnesota, called uh, Lanesboro Arts. Um, and they were—they have the the Root River runs right through Lanesboro, so the town is on one side of the river, and then there's on the other side of the river, just directly across from the kind of edge of town, is this lovely little clearing that has been kind of bounced around for years um it's now owned by the city but they are they're kind of curious about um i hate to use the word development because that's not really the right word but they they want to put it to some purpose and so um lansborough arts hosted a series of conversations on that little spot across the river from town um it's just it's like this beautiful little sort of bend in the river um and we sat on the grass and had conversation about how the community might envision this space so um it was also kind of a um it, it was a specific conversation um that was aimed at kind of soliciting feedback and memories of the river and of this particular location so that they can start thinking forward and um, figuring out what they want to do with that space and how they want to also preserve the legacy of the river there. As this project progresses, that the conversations may also be useful um, to people who might need to sit down and have a hard conversation about water, uh, maybe with their neighbors or um, with uh, an event that's happening in their location. So, yeah, that's a, a few of the projects that I have, or a few of the manifestations of this project. You know, you mentioned something in the last couple of uh, sentences about that they're, that you're getting people together who are sharing their stories and understanding one another's value for water and their interactions with it. People that may in the future have a really tough conversation around water. And certainly that's something that we have seen for many years, and I suspect is going to become more of an issue. Uh, Dave Corbett, I mean, have you, are you aware of conversations around water and the agriculture in our region? Well, there's, uh, uh, particularly over in the, uh, the middle of the state, there's an area called the Sands region where uh, a lot of irrigation is taking place, and there's a lot of conversation over there now about uh, how much of this they can allow yeah, some of the lake levels are dropping, and uh, so yeah, it's it's an issue around. Yeah, it is, and not only in the state of Minnesota, to be sure. In California, it's an ongoing mm -hmm. battle in many places because of the way that the aquifers there are being used for different types of industry and agriculture, um, and what that means to everyone. Mm -hmm. And who gets how much? 
who gets how much. Of course, there's the controversy about uh, in certain parts of California where there are businesses that are buying up land just for the water rights. Mm. And so it's seen as a very, very precious um, and limited commodity. Mm -hmm. And certainly in even in the northern parts of Wisconsin, we've heard about the uh, controversies over siting some very large uh, industrial size farms mm -hmm. and what those will and what the um, the waste produced by the animals, whether it's cattle or pigs, uh, will do to the water table mm -hmm. in certain areas. Um, and of course, there's been ongoing conversation about um, tapping the Great Lakes mm -hmm. and Lake Superior yeah. Yeah. in order to divert water to western states. Those kinds of conversations are more and more likely to be needed. Yeah. And to absolutely. be able to have a conversation around a cup of tea, around those common values and experiences, what a great and gentle way to start. Well, I think there's two things happening with the sort of setting of this project. Um, and one, of course, is just the um, unassuming cup of tea. <laughs> but also storytelling, I think, is a really powerful way of... Um, Speaking the truth that you um, that a person uh, experiences in their own life um, without it being a threat to a listener, it allows us to kind of engage our suspension of disbelief for just a moment um, to kind of live in the same world together um, as a story is being told. Storytelling has a lot of power in that way. Boy, you're you you've hit it on the head, I think, Anna. <laughs> Um, certainly we can and should uh, develop all kinds of, of uh, reports based on research and statistics. Uh, we can create proposals for policy change and, you know, all, and debate around that. You, you have put a finger on it. I think that storytelling engages not only your mind, but it engages your heart. tend to talk about watersheds. You're getting people who kind of live in the same kind of watershed. How do you describe watershed in connection with your work? Yeah, that's a great, that's a great question. Um, so, uh, well, there are, I think, um, lots of ways of thinking about watershed. Um, technically, you know, two-thirds of the United States shares one watershed, <laughs> one big watershed, which is that of the Mississippi River. Um, and so, you know, there's lots of ways in which um, my impact on, um, or my consumption and then um, impact on the water in my area is actually connected to somebody who's living in Baton Rouge and someone who's living, um, you know, even in Chicago. Um, and so, that we're all connected and that all of that water is draining into a common space um, and that all of the people downstream from us are the recipients of our actions, um, I think is um, something that I think is a really powerful image. Um, I just imagine, in addition to all of the junk that goes into the river, all of these people and their stories and their lives 
being shared with all of the people downstream, mm. which is beautiful and horrific at the same time. Um, and uh, and then, of course, there's the the more local watershed, which is the the very specific area of um, water drainage. So it really has to do with how where your water comes from and then where it drains after it goes um, away from you uh, and how that sort of land um, is linked um, to the uh, the particular, you know, water body that's in, in the area. Some, for some people, it's a lake. For some people, it's a moving body of water like a river. Um, and ultimately, you know, we have these really massive watersheds across the world um, where they empty finally into the, the biggest bodies of water, our oceans. Again, I think this really wonderful local connection and global connection. Um, and that's really why this project is called Upstream, because everyone on earth is upstream from someone else. And mm. so we are sharing our lives and our stories with someone else downstream, um, whether we want to or not. <laughs> there have been several um, ways and uh, sort of iterations of this project um, that have sort of helped me along. I received a, um, a $10,000 grant from the state of Minnesota um, to build out this project to kind of um, uh, start the, uh, yeah, start the project and make the cups and, um, and then of course, uh, give them away. <laughs> um, and then I've received a couple of other smaller grants. Um, and, uh, I, I, um, was, ha- worked with the, uh, Mississippi Watershed Management Organization, um, which is in Minneapolis. They manage, um, kind of, most of Hennepin County um, and the watershed uh, a little bit north of Minneapolis. Um, and they hosted a show and a series of conversations there and um, gave me some money towards that. Um, and then also this fellowship through Franconia allowed me to kind of continue telling stories um, in uh, the St. Croix River Valley. So if you want to find out more, go to www.upstreamtea.com. Dot com. And are you still looking for places to hold your teas or what's next? Yeah, absolutely. I am definitely interested in um, more conversations and more hosts um, of conversations. Um, I am I'm really interested in the conversation, the really important and needed conversation between people who live in urban areas and people who live in, in rural areas um, and how their experiences of water are different and yet at the same time linked so intricately. Visit my website, bronxtobarn.com, to download this and past interviews, to learn about my farm, and to reserve 100% grass-fed beef. We deliver to Minneapolis and St. Paul, Minnesota. Thanks.